When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Are you ready to be torn apart? This world is a strange one. Good evening, Night Watchers. A lot of you want to know what I think the most horrifying monster is. Well, let me tell you. It's werewolves. Ever since I watched my first werewolf movie, these transforming monsters scare the hell out of me. Thankfully for me, though, they were only works of fiction, right? Wrong. Half of the stories I've heard of strange animal sightings involve tall, hairy creatures that stand on two legs with the head of a dog or wolf. That's enough to give me nightmares. So I'm going to spread those nightmares onto you. Here are 10 real werewolf encounters. Prepare yourself. These beasts travel in packs. And don't worry, the Q&A is on the way. For now though, I'm planning a video on creepy dolls. So if you've got a story about one, send it in soon and it might make it into the video. Thanks. Now, on to the show. Number one, Nighttime Encounter, submitted by J.H. Kane. This story happened a couple of years ago when I was 16. Me and two friends, Alan and Phil, were walking home from a house party it was around 1 in the morning, and the party was located at the end of a long stretch of desolate dirt road. None of us had put any thought to how we were going to make it home. Alan's mom was staying at her brother's as he was ill. My parents would have been fast asleep, and me, being the reckless teenager I was, I had sneaked out of the house to go to this party. The walk home would take around an hour and a half, but none of us had the foresight to leave the party early. The dirt road was unlit, so all we could make out were silhouettes of trees and bushes but the waning moon provided some light as we walked, but kept disappearing behind the clouds in the sky. We talked and laughed at the situations we were in as we walked down the road, being careful to stay away from patches of mud. Suddenly, Alan stopped and just stood there, staring into the fields. Guys, did you see that? He asked us. See what, man? I replied, thinking he was playing a trick on us. I, I swear to Christ that something just moved out in that field, he answered. Nah, man, you were probably just seeing things. Come on, I want to get home, Phil said, walking off. I followed suit and heard Alan's footsteps pick up beside me. We walked for a little longer, but the chatting and laughing had stopped. Al's joke had killed the mood. I'm not going to pretend that what Al said didn't get to me. In fact, I kept looking around trying to catch a glimpse of this animal or thing in the darkness around us. This meant I was walking significantly slower than Phil and Alan, who had now passed me. Now I could just make out their silhouettes in the darkness. All of a sudden, I heard a stick break to my right side in the same field of Alan's sighting. I continued walking with my hair standing on end. 
There was a rustling in the bushes following me as I walked. I looked at the bushes and saw a pair of glowing yellow eyes looking back at me. I was paralyzed with fear as the eyes started to rise out of the bushes. The clouds parted, allowing some moonlight to seep through, illuminating the creature in front of me. It had black, matted fur all over its body. Its arms reached down to its knees when it stood fully up. It towered over me at about eight feet tall. Its fingers were long, thin, and clawed. As it stood, the grotesque body rippled as the muscles stretched. The face was the worst part, though. It looked oddly human, but like it was mixed with a dog or another member of the lupine family. I'm not ashamed to say I screamed and bolted up the road as fast as I could, passing the other two and shouting, Run! as loud as I could. This thing must have been following me as they both sprinted down the road as well. We made it back to my house in 25 minutes, only slowing down when we got to my neighborhood. We went in through the back door of my house and went straight to the living room to look out of the front window. We didn't sleep that night. Later that night, we heard a howling shriek coming from behind the house. The worst part is that we weren't the last to leave the party. Alan got a phone call the next morning from Jonathan, the host of the party, asking if we had seen Ellie, who had left the party just after us. Apparently, she hadn't returned home yet. I hope to God that the thing we saw that night didn't get her. Number 2. Strange Wild Animal Submitted by Jake I live in the middle of nowhere, Montana, on several acres that lead up to the Yellowstone River. Behind that river is a forest. Our house isn't all that big, but we have a huge detached garage shop that's about 50 feet away from the house. The cat lives in there, and we always have some food out for him. But as a result, all sorts of critters like to wander in and sometimes they're too smart for their own good. We set lots of traps, but they figured them out pretty fast. Soon, I decided that trying to catch and release them elsewhere wasn't going to work. I decided to throw out some cat food and hide in one of the trees with one of my guns. The gun I chose was a Merlin 60s, 22 caliber long rifle. It was nothing special, but it should kill those suckers well enough. The first day went well, and I got about four of them. Same with the second day. But the third day, I wasn't getting very lucky. I had been hiding in my normal spot for a while, and by this point, it was getting to be around 1 in the morning. I was about to call it quits when I heard something off by the garage in some of the trees. I got my rifle ready, but there was nothing. I was getting impatient and just wanted this raccoon to pop up. About four minutes go by, and I was still just waiting. That's when I heard something about 100 yards or so behind me, running through the brush. It sounded huge, and it put me on edge. It was running in my general direction, so I slowly and quietly turned around to face the sound. That's when whatever it was let out a sound like a loud, guttural scream. If you've ever played DayZ Stand Alone, it sounded like a mix of the in-game zombies, a boar, and a wolf, if that makes any sense. I got up and ran toward the house, which was about 600 feet away. Whatever it was heard me and started after me. I turned around when I got up the stairs and saw this thing. It looked like a small, skinny, and I mean skin and bones, horse, but with the head of a dog. I ran inside, slammed the door shut, and locked it. I waited. I could hear it occasionally walking outside, but it never tried to get in. I've heard it a few times more since then, but nothing more recently. I have no idea what it is, but I avoid going outside in the dark now. I hope I never see that thing again. 
Number three, Scariest Walk Home, submitted by Riley C. Back in 2000, I walked home from work because it was only a 15-minute walk home, and my husband at the time was with our three daughters. One car, different work schedules, so whoever was watching the girls kept the car in case they needed to go somewhere. There was this creepy path I normally walk to work and back on. It took me across a high grass field, then bent onto a path that only Tim Burton would have created. But it was short, just keep your head down and walk fast, I thought. It led you to the cemetery back fence, but the town gave access to a footpath to get to the store where I worked. About six months into this job, there was a creepy drunk guy that would like to sit and watch people walk on the Tim Burton path. It bothered me so much that I decided I did not want to be the victim of a possible attack. So a co-worker told me to walk the main road that led to a restaurant and an inn. In the back of there was a very steep bank of 60 feet or so that you would have to maneuver down carefully, walk across another 50 feet of someone's land, through some trees and I'd be home. Those were the only two options. I was the closer of my department and it was too late to wake the girls to get my husband to come get me in the car. The second way home was lit more with streetlights from the road and our complex was also lit well and automatic lights were all over the buildings. The only times I would need a flashlight were when I would go down the bank and go through the trees. I was very mistaken one night on my new safe way home. I had a mag light with me as I safely made it down the steep bank and started to head across the neighboring land. To my left, I heard something. I automatically flashed the light to the sound, and I froze. I saw what I thought was a bear, but it wasn't. It had blue reflective eyes, it was black and thin, and it was off in proportion and facial features. The thing was down on all fours. I panicked, as I still had probably 45 feet still to go, and that's before I got through the trees, and I'd had to go 20 feet to my front door. I started to move sideways to keep the light on it, and not turn my back to it. It growled a noise I've never heard before. I continued to sidewalk faster, and that's when I lost it. Sweat was pouring, and I could hear my heartbeat in my ears. I booked it, only turning back once to see if it was chasing me. I could hear it. I almost made it to the trees when my light caught the eyes again, but it was standing on two legs. I ran to the door. I told my husband what happened, as he could see I was crying by the time I got home. By that time, I was shaking and covered in sweat. I begged him not to go outside. The next day I showed him the spot in the daylight where I saw the eyes before I ran into the trees. It had to have stood 12 feet tall. We ended up having to replace the screen door because I broke it getting into the house. It wasn't a bear, according to further details. When I explained it to other people, they said it sounded like it was trying to lay down to sleep. I spooked it and so it chased me off. I do remember a rotten smell to the matted ankle high grass. Plus, bear eyes aren't blue when a flashlight reflects on them. From then on out, I took the car to work. From now on, I avoid both of those paths. And we later moved. Number 4. Full Moon Sleepover. Submitted by Tyr. My name is Tyr. It may sound a little strange, but I live in Sweden like in the most northern part of Sweden that does not have a lot of contact with the outside world. We did of course have technology, but it was just very limited. This happened in the early 90s during my childhood. I lived in a small community out in the middle of the forest, and I just want to point out the fact that you could literally walk out here for miles without seeing a single house. Our community was one of the only modern places you could find out there. I had a happy life. I lived with my mother, 
father, and two sisters. We also had a dog called Rufus in a small red house. We were happy. My parents loved each other, my sisters didn't try to kill me, and we had enough money to survive. It was all in all a very happy time of our lives. But one incident would change that. One thing would destroy our worryless world. I will tell you about that after I give you more information about our village. There were maybe 20 small houses in our community. The population was mostly retired hunters or woodcutters, but there were some families with children too. There was Andreas, Mia, Eric, Anders, and Ingmar. Me, my sisters, and the rest of these children were all around the same age, maybe around 10 to 13. All of us were great friends, because really there weren't many more people to be friends with. We all went to the same school that was situated very far away from our community. So every day we would sit underneath the trees and wait for the school bus together. We would talk crap and eat candy like kids, you know? The girl that mostly talked with my two sisters, Mia, was a very nice person. She was often very serious, but she had always been a pretty gentle soul. When I, for an example, had forgot to do my homework, she helped me so that I didn't fail. I think I had maybe a small crush on her, but pretty much all the boys in our group did, so I didn't really bother to try to make her my girlfriend or anything like that. But overall, she wasn't someone that really stood out in the group. She was always just very quiet and focused on what to do next. One Friday after school, we had all decided to have a sleepover at Eric's. Eric's house was probably the biggest in the community, and also the most isolated. We all brought our pillows, pajamas, and tons of junk food and movies so that we could just sit up all night. We all thought it was so cool to be up so late when we were that young. Anyway, we all arrived at the house and everything seemed to be as it used to. We all just laughed and had a very fun time. Everyone seemed to be happy, except for Mia. I remember all of us dancing when Mia stormed to the bathroom. One of my sisters followed her and asked her if she was alright. She had only given a weak yes as an answer to my sister when she weirdly had sat on the floor. My sister was weirded out and went back to the rest of us. We all just, of course, assumed that she was maybe sick or was sad of something maybe with her parents. But I'd met Mia's parents before and they were really nice people. They had once even planned a trip for all the families to go to Norway to well watch. Going on such a big holiday was something unusually very nice of them to do for so much money. Maybe it was a little too nice, I think, sometimes. I don't know. So maybe she was just feeling sick, we thought. Around 3 p.m., Mia started to get stranger. She just mainly stood on the side of the room and looked at us with those terrifying, almost white or silvery eyes. She started to really creep us out, so we asked her if she couldn't sit down with us. That's when everything went to hell. She screamed, No! It was probably the highest and loudest I'd ever heard her scream, and I had seen her get bit by a dog before. It wasn't pretty. Then Mia just ran out of the door, and we all ran after her. Mia ran out between the trees next to the house. It's really dark during the Swedish autumns, but we, in our pajamas, ran after her anyway. None of us understood what had happened to Mia. She acted berserk. Mia screamed some gibberish and ran at the same time. That was when I think I started noticing something about Mia. She was probably the slowest person in our school. She wasn't exactly fit, she was quite the opposite. She was even a little bit chunky. But now, as Mia ran away from us, she ran faster than any of us could keep up. I tried my best to keep up with her, and I screamed at her with all my power for her to stop running. The rest of our friends were gone now. After a while of trying to keep up with her, Mia started running on all fours, and somehow she was faster than before. But despite the speed we were running, I wasn't out of breath until maybe an hour in. I was fit when I was younger. But by then I just wanted to stop immediately and try to make some sense out of the weird things Mia constantly said. Just when I was about to pass out from exhaustion, Mia stopped running. She finally stopped. 
but she just stood there, still, with the moonlight touching her face. I screamed at her, angry. Why did you run, you idiot? But she didn't respond. She just stood there with her gaze on the moon. It was a bright, yellow, full moon that night, I remember. Then Mia started walking again up the hill. There, she just stood for minutes, with her back turned towards us. It was starting to get really scary by now. The forest was dark, and this was the time of year when wolves were the most active. My friends caught up with us, and we all looked up at Mia while she stood completely still like a statue on top of the hill. Then she turned around and just stared out into the darkness of the trees behind us. That's when I swear to God, my heart stopped completely. I still don't know how to describe the following events. I swear I felt and saw all of us slowly lift off of the ground. We all panicked and screamed at Mia to help us, but she just stood there as if she couldn't hear us. Then something else happened that still haunts me to this day. Behind Mia was a creature or person. It stood completely still. It was much taller than her and very pale, as if the creature hadn't seen the sunlight for years. The person moved away from her back and now stood next to her. I could see it plain as day. It looked human, but it was very skinny and had long black hair that covered the creature's front. The thing definitely looked female. It had an hourglass figure and I could make out its breasts. It still wasn't a pretty creature. The face looked very human. It had very large black eyes that just stared at us. I had no idea what this thing was. It was definitely not human at least. Then the creature turned around and I could see its back. I expected to see a thin skeletal back with a big outline of the spine. But on the back of it, there was not but a black hole. Just a big black hole, like something you'd see on a very old tree. And at that moment, I thought I knew what the creature was. In old Swedish mythology, we have something called raw. They are some sort of protectors of the forest. They take on shapes of beautiful women to lure men out into the forest, never to be seen again. The raw's most notable feature was that it had a hole in its back. The creature suddenly turned around again. One moment, they were there. The next, I blinked and they were gone. We fell to the ground after that. None of us wanted to stay there any longer, so we ran back as fast as we could, even if we were out of breath still. I don't think I have ever in my life ran as fast as I did then, when I just wanted to run home. My sisters and I just looked at each other a little bit when we had slammed the door to the house. We didn't tell my parents what had happened that night. We all just went to bed and pretended that nothing had happened. But I don't think any of us got any sleep that night. The weekend after everything was pretty normal. We went to school, but we all just kept very quiet. Mia had apparently forgotten everything about the sleepover. I think that maybe she had just pulled a sick prank on us all, but I wasn't convinced. Well, after a while, we all stopped being friends, and I, who had been so happy with everything before, had now started to get huge psychological problems. I just started doubting what was real and fictional anymore. This became a problem between me and my family for many years. Eventually, my illness started getting better. I moved to a big city to study with my sisters. We all just wanted to stick together. After many years of living there, we found Mia on Facebook. It was my oldest sister that found her. She lived not so far from us, actually. So we decided to meet her after all these years. We decided on where in town to meet. Mia decided she'd meet us at our favorite place to eat lunch. I guess we thought that we could talk about some things and get some things clear between us, but that wasn't really how it turned out. Mia came in through the front door with another woman. She introduced us to her girlfriend. I won't say her name here though, she seemed pretty normal, except for the fact that I thought I recognized her. And that's when it hit me. Mia's girlfriend looked exactly like the creature we had seen that night. 
Well, the rest of the meetup went pretty normal. Some more small talk about what we had studied and how our families were. It was normal. But that woman, the face of that woman still haunts me. Though I still never go out into that forest, I will probably never let my kids go out into the woods alone either. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Number five. Night Terror. Submitted by... Rachel W. I'm going to give some relevant background information first. I am female and was around 13 at the time this happened. I lived in a house surrounded by woods on three sides, leaving the last side open for the driveway. Now these were thick woods, untouched for a long time, but about a half a mile in there was a beautiful clearing that my family used for picnics, target practice, and so on. It kind of became the hangout spot for friends when they came over. This particular night, my best friend Jerry and my cousin Renee and I were planning a camping sleepover in the clearing. We got out to the area early, set up our tent, and went in opposite directions to hunt for firewood. Everyone met back up at camp right around dusk. We built a fire, roasted marshmallows, hot dogs, you know, the works. We each told a couple of scary stories, and when it came back around to my turn, I decided to tell them the story my stepdad, John, had told me about the place. According to him, there was something that dwelled in those woods, something that no one was able to explain. I'll put it here as he said it. For generations, my family has owned this land and the curse that goes with it. My mother told me when I was little that something unhuman and terrible lived in these woods. It only comes out at night. And that's why you never see me venture out here in the dark. Why would he let us stay out here in the dark if there was a monster? Jerry huffed. I asked him the same thing when he told me and he just said, it only hungers for my family. Since I'm not officially blood related to any of you, I figured you'd be safe. Yeah, John was a bit of an asshole. At that moment, a branch cracked loudly in the darkness of the trees, just out of the light's gleam. I realized at this point that it was completely dark now. I shuddered a bit. 
but tried to hold it together for Jerry and Renee. However, when I looked over at them, they wore the same frightened expression I knew was on my face. Let's hop in the tent and talk about Jay, I offered, hoping to lighten the mood and get into the false safety of the tent. It was like pulling the covers over your face. You know it's not going to stop the monster from getting you, but you need something between you and it. And that was our tent. Anyway, Renee had a crush on a boy at school named Jay. We really liked to give her a hard time about it. I don't really know why now. Maybe we were assholes too. Didn't matter though. I got the desired response. Both girls ducked into our orange one-person tent. Jerry and I usually sleep on each side, while Renee slept in the middle. I didn't always love this arrangement, especially when I am creeped the hell out, but I knew there was no use arguing about it. Renee was the scaredy cat of our little group, and she wanted to do everything possible to obtain her safety. Anyway, we bundled ourselves into our sleeping bags and soon began talking about boys, school, homework, and all the things kids talk about, our initial uneasiness forgotten. For the moment, we talked and giggled until we finally fell asleep. I woke with a startle. I was having a nightmare about a small, hairless creature chasing me through the woods. Lying there, trying to go back to sleep, I realized, to my dismay, that I needed to go pee. I sighed and began the wiggle process of getting out of my sleeping bag into an empty space at Jerry and Renee's feet. If you've ever fit three people into a one-person tent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I began to unzip the tent as quietly as possible so as to not wake the other girls up. I'm not really the kind of person that needs a bathroom buddy, so I was trying my best to sneak out unhindered. Before I could get the zipper undone, however, I heard something that made my heart skip a beat. It was a rustle, just slight at first. Then I heard the unmistakable sound of light footsteps. I slowly began to zip the tent back up and scooted away from the tent door and back into my sleeping bag. I lay there listening, straining my ears to hear anything. For a long time, probably just a few minutes, but it felt like forever. There was nothing, no rustling, no footsteps, just nothing. Right when I started to calm down and think rationally, convincing myself that it was probably just a squirrel or deer, that I was just overreacting, I heard it, the sound that changed my life forever. It started low, almost unhearable, then slowly became louder, more pronounced. It was a growl, deep and guttural, near the tent door. I stiffened as it began moving around the tent, first to Jerry's side, then towards Renee, and finally, it stopped at me. Its growl became more aggressive as it stood only inches away from me with only a flimsy piece of tent between us. I lay there, praying that it would just go away. My heart was pounding so hard that there was no way I didn't hear it. Slowly, I nudged Renee. Nothing. She didn't even stir a little bit. I kept prodding, though, as hard as I could without alerting the creature outside of my movements. Finally, she budged. She looked over at me, angry that I had woke her up. I just shushed her, which she clearly didn't like. But before she could start fussing, she heard it too. Have you ever watched someone's color literally drain out of their face? Her face tightened, lost all the color, and her eyes widened. Her lips began to curl back and I knew what was coming next. Before I could reach out to her to hold the scream in, Jerry shot up and wrapped her arm around Renee's face, holding her mouth tightly shut. She screamed still, but it was a small sound, yet it must have been just enough for whatever was growling outside our tent though, as it growls became louder and more desperate. I shot up and over to the center where Jerry and Renee were already holding each other. I got in on that quickly. For the rest of the night, the three of us huddled together as something walked around and around our tent, growling and snarling. There were a few times that it seemed eager to get in 
as it would push some part of itself against the tent and it would come inward. To be honest, I really didn't think we were going to survive. However, just as quickly as it had come, it left. We could hear the pitter-patter of its feet on leafy ground. It sounded like it walked on two legs rather than all four, which scared the shit out of me even more. Once the sun was full in the sky and we were positive the thing was gone, we ventured out. It was a slow process as we each took turns peeking out our heads for verification that the thing was really gone. Once we were all outside in the warm sunlight, which I appreciated more than I ever had at that moment, we began to look around. It took us probably an hour to go over everything we encountered once we were outside in the daylight. There was a whole lot of, come here, look at this, you won't believe this. In reality, it was all really kind of hard to believe, but I was there. There were several sets of footprints, not huge, but certainly bigger than any of ours. The strange thing was that they were not typical footprints. They appeared to only have three large toes on each foot, of which at the end of each was a hole, which we decided was from a curled down claw or talon. It had definitely walked upright on twos. The footprints were everywhere around the clearing, but that wasn't the worst part. Our fire pit was completely empty, as if someone had come along and scooped it all out. All of the firewood we had stacked to the side was gone. This discovery caused my stomach to drop, and that creepy feeling of something wrong began to run up my spine. I didn't want to look around more, but I knew I had to. I walked toward the wooded space to the right of us, my spine and head tingling like mad. It was here that I made the worst discovery of my life, one that caused me to stay out of the woods and cross camping off my list for the rest of my life. There was our firewood. It had been laid at the base of the entire three sides of the woods. It was shaped into perfect X's and they were everywhere, lying side by side. We all just ran. We didn't care about any of our gear or things, we just wanted out of there as quickly as possible. We told my mom and stepdad after that, but of course they didn't believe us. My stepdad went later to grab all of our things for us, but he came back with an ashen look on his face. I knew that he had seen all of it and that it had terrified him too. Nothing more was really said about the event. My mom told us to stay out of the woods and to be in before dark every night. I don't know if they knew something I didn't or if they were just scared as we were. Either way, I stayed out of those woods and to this day I make sure I am never outside when it's dark. Number six, it wasn't a wolf. Submitted by One Happy Gamer. This wasn't the scariest experience an average kid would go through, but still it shook me up pretty bad. We were coming back from my grandma's, my most favorite place in the world. Me and my sister had a wonderful summer there with all of our cousins to play with. I remember feeling sad when we left because I wouldn't see them again for a whole year as they did not come to the countryside very often. It was a seven hour journey by car and the trip was very tiring. Whenever we return from grandma's, we usually have a picnic in the little wood that runs along the highway. It was usually inhabited by a coyote and the occasional bear or two. Anyway, it was a lovely afternoon and it was around 4 p.m. when dad parked our car in the little clearing in the wood. We had our lunch, enjoying the beautiful outdoors. I remember dad saying, we should come out here more often and me and my sister wholeheartedly agreed. I finished my sandwiches really quick. As the others were eating, I took my dog Bowser, a pit bull, along for a little walk along the tree line. After walking about 100 yards or so, Bowser started to growl. What's wrong, pal? I remember asking him. He just stared straight into the dense trees and didn't move a muscle. He was very protective of me, so I knew something wasn't right. 
I stared into the trees and was surprised to see an enormous clearing about 20 feet from where I was staring. I went closer with Bowser, trying to pull me back by my trousers. There's nothing there, I thought to myself. I just thought the silly dog was wrong for once. But I realized with shock that I was wrong, and not Bowser. About a good 200 yards away, to my right, there was a creature about 5 feet tall, standing on all fours. At first, I thought it was another dog. It was sniffing at something with its back turned towards us. Then it just stood up on its hind legs and sniffed the air. All the while, I was slowly backing away from the clearing. As my dad told me that turning your back on a predator is the last thing you'd want to do if you want to make it back in one piece. Then it turned. I froze. My blood chilled. It saw me and a slow snarl spread across its enormous black lips, revealing two rows of jagged but sharp, inch-long canines. It took a step towards me. It was at least nine feet tall now on its two legs. It had an enormous torso and thick black shaggy fur. The scariest thing about it were its eyes, were a sickly yellow. I nearly died of shock. I had only seen such things in scary movies. Bowser, who I had been holding by the collar all the while, lost it. He charged at the creature, who suddenly dropped on all fours and ran away. It was the fastest I've ever seen any animal run before. Bowser pursued it for about two minutes when he came back whining. We got the hell out of there, and when we went back, I told my dad all about it. I was in tears at the moment. He comforted me, saying that there were no wolves in those woods, and that we should hit the road. It's been many years since then, and even now, I think of what would have happened to me right there in those woods, that fateful day, if I didn't have Bowser with me. I don't know, and I'd rather not think about it. Number 7. Werewolf in the Alley Submitted by Shell Milso. I've lived in Colorado my whole life. I just recently moved to Hawaii, but that's not part of this story. Let me give some insight on my old house before I start the story. I lived on the outskirts of Denver, about 20 minutes from the foothills. It's a very small neighborhood, but very wooded. My bedroom window faced toward the alley, which wasn't paved like most were. It was a snowy night, and on my birthday when I saw what I saw, I had a friend over to stay the night with me. We had just finished watching Top Gun and were starting upstairs to my room to go to bed. My window was wide open because I liked my room cold and I loved hearing how silent the world was as it snowed. Now, this was my sophomore year and I was 16 that day. My interest in the supernatural had died down significantly. Imagine my disinterest when my friend shook my shoulder and pointed outside my window. What? I hissed the words at her, trying to be quiet as to not wake my parents up. Look, by the lamppost, those are eyes, dude. Rolling my own eyes, I humored her and took a long look at the post. Sure enough, faintly glowing yellow eyes were staring at me. Now, the lampposts in my old neighborhood are tall. Now, this thing had to have been at least eight feet tall, as the eyes of it were halfway up. I was fear-stricken. I couldn't move as I watched the thing move around under the light. Not only was it tall, it had furry black legs bent back at the joint like a dog's. It had a man-like torso and a face covered in matted fur. I remained frozen in place until my friend slammed my window shut, locking it and pulling the blinds. I snapped out of my terrified trance and I pulled my friend with me out of the room to the upstairs living room. We slept on the couch all night. Well, more like pretended to sleep. I kept listening for noises like the thing was trying to get in. The next morning, my mom asked us why we were so tired and we lied. We said we were watching TV all night. 
We've only spoken about it a few times, but I'm still scared to look out of my window at night in fear of finding something looking back at me. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Number 8. Werewolf on the Country Road. Submitted by Ives16. Let me just start off by saying that everything in this story is 100% true, believe me or not. During my freshman year of college, I would often go see my girlfriend, who attended college about 50 minutes away from me. The road I would travel down was a country road with little lights and barely any other cars would pass by. During one visit, I left very late from my girlfriend's school due to my own lazy behavior. So while I was driving, nothing out of the ordinary happened until I got almost halfway back to my school. Like I stated before, there were rarely any cars on that old road, and at night it seemed like I was the only one for miles. As I kept driving, I noticed a black figure in the middle of the road about a half mile ahead of me, and I thought it was probably another car. But this figure did not move even as I approached it. When I was almost to it, the damn thing was about seven feet tall with long arms. It then moved from the middle of the road to the shoulder, and as I passed by, I saw the thing's body more clearly. It was covered with grayish black fur and had skinny legs, but the most terrifying thing about this creature was its face. The thing's face was dog-like, but at the same time it looked human. Of course, seeing this, I was scared to death and I floored it, but the damn thing gave chase. Luckily, I was a few yards ahead of it. I know for a fact I was going at least 80 miles per hour, but the creature somehow kept pace with my car. Luckily, the thing just stopped and I pulled into a gas station not too far from my encounter with the beast. I told the clerk at the gas station to call the local sheriff, but she assumed I was playing a prank and warned me to leave. I cautiously drove the rest of the way to my school, not hearing any noise besides that of my radio. I didn't see the creature anymore after that, and I hope that was my last time seeing it. I haven't told anybody of my encounter with this creature for obvious reasons, but now I know not to drive on that road at night ever again in fear that I would see that creature again, the creature I believe to be a werewolf. Number 9. German Werewolf Submitted by Bear Pig Nation. I recently submitted a story on our ghost problem, but there's another story I'd like to share with you and everyone else. Deep in the woods of Germany, you're not very safe, are you? Especially when there's a bloodthirsty beast in the mist. My stepdad has just recently told me this story. He's a military man and doesn't get scared easily at all. He's a flight nurse for the US Air Force and is a colonel. He had to go in for reserves a couple years back and they decided to go hiking in the woods with his buddy. Deep in the woods, there's an old rundown cabin. They open the door of the cabin with ease, surprisingly, but notice some strange markings on the front door and on the sides of the cabin. 
There were four individual claw markings on each. Not to mention the door itself. It was busted down and destroyed. They slowly opened the door and peeked inside with the flashlight. They saw nothing besides a mangled corpse of a deer and everything else in the cabin was destroyed and clawed to hell as well. They booked it out of there, running, and they ended up running the wrong way, further into the woods. Dusk approached and they heard howls in the distance. My stepdad told me that his buddy thought it was a coyote. Well, he was almost right. They got to a clearing in the woods and realized that they went the wrong way. They were a mile and a half deep into the German woods with a coyote. Great, right? Well, it gets worse. Night's falling and they hear bushes being rustled and strange footsteps. They had their guns ready. Yes, even nurses carry guns, 45 caliber handguns with five clips each. They saw yellow eyes reflecting the moonlight. They fired a warning shot each. The creature charged, revealing its massive size and veiny arms, covered in fur with light gray skin on its arms and legs. Its snout was dripping with saliva. They yelled and fired off more rounds. They ended up lighting the creature up with a full clip. The thing was covered in blood, but it managed to limp away as they both reached for another clip, firing more rounds deeper into the brush after it. They managed to survive the night, thankfully. They ran back to the Jeep, and in the distance, they could hear the screams of an animal attempting to howl in the distance. They booked it out of there, scared for their lives. They finally made it back to their apartment safely, but they couldn't tell anyone about it because most of the people around there spoke German. Thank you for listening to my stepdad's story, and be careful what you do in the woods. One wrong turn, and it could get you killed, eaten, or worse. And number 10, Werewolf Sighting in College. Submitted by Aleshka. This incident took place when I was a grad student at a certain university in India. I do not want to reveal the name of the university or place because it is pretty renowned in India, and I do not want to spread panic or any interrogation from the public. The only person to whom I had ever revealed this incident to was my best friend, who was at the same university. I've stumbled upon the Darkness Prevails website, and I've taken it as a good opportunity to reveal this incident. It was during the final semester of my master's program. There were loads of work to be done. My academic guide had asked me to make lots of thesis corrections before the final thesis defense, so I worked late nights in my office room making the corrections. Sometimes I even stayed back in college, working on my thesis the entire night. I stayed at the university graduate housing all by myself. The housing took 20 minutes by walk to get to from my department. On December 27th, 2013, yes, I remember it very vividly, I headed for my department in the afternoon. The campus was empty and so was the graduate housing. Only a few students were staying on different floors. I was loaded with thesis corrections so much that I preferred to stay back on campus. After working the entire afternoon on my thesis, I headed out for dinner at 7.30. It was actually a restaurant at walking distance from the college building, but unfortunately on that day, the restaurant was closed. The staff was on holiday. I was hungry and thought of calling it a day. I headed back to my office to grab a few things before going home. My office was located on the third floor and I took the stairs. There was a large wooden door fitted with small look-through glasses at the entrance of the office corridor. I was about to open the door when I spotted it. There was a huge man dressed in tattered clothes standing in the middle of the corridor facing the opposite direction. He was covered in thick black fur and his hands had huge claws and his feet were huge as well. Its face was like a man but covered in fur, distorted and wrinkled. Its canines were long and eyes black. 
It seemed to be looking for something. I was petrified and could not move from my spot. I had anxiety issues and my heart was beating faster, but my body just froze. Soon, it must have sensed my presence and it looked in my direction. I am sure it saw my panic-stricken face through the clean glass in the door. It growled and I screamed. I started running towards the staircase, but my body was still frozen. I forced myself to run down the stairs and then out of the college building. I started running towards the graduate housing without looking back. I wanted to run faster, but I couldn't. Finally, when I reached the apartment, I was out of breath. I could barely stand while unlocking the door. The night guard there at the housing asked what had happened, and all I could utter was hide. I fell on the floor after locking my apartment door, my heart beating fast, and I was sweating profusely. I could not feel my body anymore, and my vision was blurry. When I opened my eyes again, it was 9.30 in the morning. The bright sunlight shone on my face. I wondered why I was lying on the floor until I remembered the previous night incident, and shivers ran through my body. I gathered myself up and called my friend to report the incident. She listened in silence and advised me to avoid going to my office until the holidays were all over. But I preferred to go home by the afternoon train and returned when the winter break was over in January. It was then when I found out that the night guard had gone missing since December 27th that night. He never returned, nor could he be traced. Hearing this, I shivered again, fearing that the creature had killed him. I remained silent because no one would ever believe my story, and I would probably be unnecessarily interrogated by the police. The housing officials suspected him of theft and believed that he absconded. The incident was reported to the police. I do not know if the night guard was traced, because I graduated in February that year and moved to a different place. I never really stayed back late in the office as long anymore. I never heard about any other student reporting a similar incident, but I know that I did not hallucinate that night. If I think of that beast I spotted, I grow more and more certain that it did resemble a werewolf. And that does it for the 10 Real Werewolf Encounters stories. I just want to take a moment to break away here and let you guys know that you are the ones who make this channel. I wouldn't be able to put out videos like I do without you amazing people sending in these stories. So, keep it up. If you have a story or know someone who does, don't be afraid to share it anonymously through our website at darknessprevails.org. Who knows, it might end up in a future video. Thanks. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. Thanks again.